Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Tom Wells here. Today is Monday. Happy Monday, August the 13th, 2018. 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day and for the week, for that matter. And we've got 10 of them all lined up for you this week, as we do every single week. So we're looking forward to uh, bringing them to you and hopefully helping to elevate your mood. Uh, of course, it's always important to remember that you're the one who's responsible for your own mood. You're the one who's responsible for your own emotional set point, just as we are, Tom, you and I are. Um, <laughs> I mean, isn't, isn't that one of those things like, darn, I can't just dish this off to somebody else. I have to be responsible for my own feeling. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the whole name of the game right there. It really is, isn't it? But it's a good mm. thing. It's a very good thing because we tend, many of us tend to feel like, oh, geez, if I have to be responsible for this, like, you know, can't can somebody just fix this for me and so forth? <laughs> we don't realize that when we say things like that, what we're basically saying is, I don't want to have any power. We want somebody mm -hmm. else to have the power. We don't want us to have the power. Mm -hmm. But when we say, you know what? I'm responsible for my own emotional step. I'm, I'm responsible for how I feel. Well, that's giving ourselves the power. So actually, it's a good thing to give ourselves the power, I think, anyway. Yeah, well, I don't think we have a choice because ultimately <laughs> we... We're the one in this body and this soul and all these things that whatever we are that was individuated from these other consciousnesses. And therefore, you know, if it is in our projection, what is it? Or whose is it really? <laughs> whose is it? Because, you know, if you believe that uh, you're the creator of your own reality or that you're, it's all coming through your consciousness. I mean, how could it not be obviously, but um, sometimes it seems like we can blame something outside of ourselves right and well and we're really good at that too i mean that's what today's topic is all about because emotional baggage is all the stuff we get to blame for why we're not feeling good and why our life isn't going the way we want it to go and why we don't have the right boyfriend or girlfriend or the right husband or wife or why we don't have the right career or why don't we don't have the best health or why we, why we don't have this why we don't i mean it's so much yeah. easier when you just blame the baggage i mean it's the baggage's fault right <laughs> well yeah i mean mean your own baggage yeah um, yeah, or you can blame some external thing, right? I mean, you if it's your if it's your boyfriend or girlfriend, quote unquote, you're going to be thinking, you know, well, why if she would only change, if he would only change, I wouldn't have this problem. Oh, you know? sure, why, yeah. Why not blame why them? Why can't I have gotten a person who had everything I wanted, you know, in perfect perfect way and I saw somebody who had posted over the weekend on Facebook. She was very upset. I can't even remember what she was upset about. To be honest, I'm not sure she knew. But uh, she was very upset. The law of attraction wasn't working for her. And she didn't want to have to hear about Abraham. She didn't want to have to hear about how we're responsible <laughs> for manifesting. She didn't want to hear about any of this. And if she, if she heard any of that, she was going to block anybody who said anything along that line. So I wrote, <laughs> okay, sounds to me like you just want to complain. Go ahead. You can block me now. That was the last I heard of it. <laughs> okay, that's great. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, she just, that's all she wanted. She just wanted to complain. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about all this is, to me, is that these emotions, right, that we call, well, what is your baggage? You know, is it, it in what I think of as my baggage is the stuff that I don't really want to own. You know, I'm dragging it along behind me. Right. <laughs> But uh, but I don't want to own it, you know. I don't want to, you know, know what's in those bags. <laughs> well, that would mean but, you'd have to do something about it, <laughs> right? Right. You would have to warp one thing. You'd have to quit projecting it onto others or onto other situations and oh, saying, I'm forbid. The "I'm the victim of this stuff that happened to me," or "I'm the victim of the way that person is." And instead, you'd say, "You mean that when I get really reactive to the way she does that, that that's actually 
my stuff. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not her fault. Well, that's just, that's the other thing. The word fault. I mean, I used the word fault. You used it just there. That's the other thing that, <clears throat> that really messes things up because we're constantly trying to figure out who's at fault. And, and so often it ends up with, well, what do you mean? You're saying I'm at fault? And, <laughs> and the problem there is, no, it's not about fault. That's the thing. That's right. it, it, blame should not even be a part of all of this. And yet it usually That's is. Right. People always tie That's it in. But the simple yeah. fact is the moment that you tie blame in, in is the moment that you're preventing yourself from reaching a solution. That's mm -hmm. just the bottom line. The moment that, that you're involved in blame is the moment that you're stopping the very thing that you need in order to resolve whatever the issue is. And that mm -hmm. is the flow of source energy. Blame mm -hmm. stops source energy. Well, sometimes owning these deeper emotions, if, if we've been spending a lifetime, as I think I have, suppressing certain things that, you know, were maybe there when I was even pre-verbal, these things happened to me. Um, you know, I attracted them into my life. I attracted the particular parents I had. I attracted the type of birth I had. And who knows if our, about past lives and what we might, you know, have brought. I don't know if there is that i have no clue i mean i've been told i had 1300 of them i'm still not sure I, <laughs> I i have counted one so far beyond that i don't know oh but it seems like you know there's a lot going on inside of our consciousness but i think that the funny thing is is that it's the things that that we don't want to say are part of our consciousness so we don't want to own them you know and yet we see them in our hologram you know we see them show up in other people that come and are in our lives and when confronting situations happen or things we don't like, it's so easy to say, that's that person's baggage. That's not anything to do with my baggage. Right. <laughs> Keep your bags away from my bags. <laughs> but, but in reality, if it's in your experience, law of attraction says, you know, and I, life, I, life itself says, if it's in your experience, it's in your vibration. And therefore, if you're seeing it and feeling it and experiencing it, even though you can say, I'm sure glad I'm not like that person, you are, it is reflecting some aspect of yourself. That's and, the hard part to admit. And we're making fun of it. But but in truth, it is very, very possible and indeed quite common for people to carry their own emotional baggage. And that baggage does get in the way. Um, interestingly enough, we, we bring the emotional baggage like we're going off on a trip, but we never actually go on the trip. You ever notice that? <laughs> We never actually go anywhere. It's always, well, my life isn't moving the way I want it to. Well, you know, <laughs> right, right. maybe you but want to leave some of the baggage behind. <laughs> what we try to do is we, we check we check a bag, you know, and then we carry on another one. But yeah, right. so we say, we say, well, no, this is all, you know, this is what, this is my baggage, the one I carried on. But right. in some part of our subconscious or whatever you want to call it, we know that that maybe we've got, Maybe we've got more things going on than just the bag that's that we're showing to other people because we can feel this deeper, you know, stuff in there that's churning or it gets churned up by different situations. You know, like I haven't wanted to look at what's going on in the current administration in the U.S. government because I don't want to own any of that. That's 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 total insanity. That has nothing to do with me. But somehow it does, you know, somehow all this stuff that I'm perceiving is is what is in my hologram. It's it's in my perception and therefore it's in my vibration. And I think the hard thing for me to accept is that I might have parts of me that are really reactive that I'm just keeping out of 
my view. The, it's like the other end of the stick. You know, as Abraham says, one end of the stick, everything in the universe has both ends of the stick. Mm-hmm. So every time there is something that we love about ourselves or we really have a quality that we really appreciate, you know, our level of love, our compassion, our humility, whatever it is, we, we you know, we feel great about. But the other parts that like the, what's the other end of the stick of humility might be that this false pride, you know, or, or hubris or some kind of really intense other emotions that on the other end of love is hate, you know, is anger or is resentment and fear. And these things, what I'm seeing for me is that I haven't wanted to accept the fact that those other things are really in me and that maybe I haven't really fully accepted them and 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 said, what are they trying to tell me? I, I don't want to hear from these voices that are more um, difficult to hear inside mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that becomes my emotional baggage, you know. This and, is true. Yeah. And in fact, we all carry some form of emotional baggage for some portions of our lives, maybe most portions of our lives from, you know, depending which person we're talking about. Um, but the fact is that when we are dealing with the everyday life, we carry it with us and we often bring it out. Do <laughs> you ever notice we often bring it out at times that really don't, that, that aren't appropriate, that just don't really match up the baggage? That, oh, yeah. You know, we, it's like there's an exaggeration factor that goes into effect. Like over the, <laughs> week, over the weekend, they had the, um, there was the uh, anniversary of Charlottesville where that horrible tragedy occurred where the, um, the neo Nazi guy in the car, you know, hit a bunch of people. Oh, oh. And uh, this past weekend was the anniversary of that. And and what was most startling to me on the little bit that I saw about it was that you had huge numbers of anti-Nazi, anti-white supremacist protesters and about a dozen uh, neo-Nazis. I mean, wow. that was the extent of it. It's not like there wow. were like huge throngs of them who showed up. Nice. But to hear the news reports, I mean, the news reports were all about bringing back all of the emotions of what happened a year ago. Uh-huh. You know, and, and at some point I, I had to ask myself, like, OK, when do we let go of that? I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that uh, that I, I agree with the, the alt right or the far right. I don't. I'm just saying, at what point do we let go of the angst? At what point mm-hmm. do we say, you know, OK, that was terrible. It was in the past, but it was terrible. And it is in the past. Let's just let go. Yeah. Maybe we let go of angst when we own the fact that it's our projection. Mm. you know everything is our projection it is ultimately yeah (laughs) so yeah and so whatever aspects of it we're not owning and we're pushing down they're gonna they're gonna show up some other way until we own the fact that you know this emotion must exist in me because i feel it so strongly Mm. you know obviously it's in me because i'm the one who's feeling it and um and certainly sharp emotions like that they do need to be addressed it's not like we're saying you know ignore the emotions that's not mm -hmm. the point I mean, certainly mm-hmm. they need to be addressed, but they also need to be released and relieved. And basically, we need to find a way to put them behind us so that they aren't haunting us con- constantly. Because what's the good of, of you know, being connected to these negative emotions if they just carry through throughout the year? Right. The, the negative emotion is showing us something about our lack of alignment with source, you know, or that how we could become more in alignment with who we really are as our infinite self, you know, because that's the source self is, and therefore there's a discrepancy in us because we're not in alignment with that 
with that higher self. And so this stuff has to keep coming up until we integrate it by saying, okay, that, that emotion of hatred, that emotion of fear must be because there's something more for me to learn here. There's something for more for me to see about who I really am and therefore not to not end up being so reactive to this other person. I have a person in my life right now who believes in things that I, I find to be so totally incredulous that it just blows my mind when they say these things. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think that I just can't stand to be around this person when they're talking about that stuff, because it just seems like this is the ultimate of naivete and the ultimate of ignorance, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want to know about it. I don't want to be in, and around it. But I realized that my extreme reaction and my extreme judgment of that person is my stuff. So this is how the way I look at it, this, there's some part of me that looks at me this way. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so therefore I'm projecting it really strongly on that other person and, um, and thinking sort of self-righteously that I can just abandon that person because they're so far out there, mm. but it's not, it's really something in me right. that I'm that I'm running away from. So it's like those bags that have the wheels on them, and no matter where you go, they just follow you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the emotional <That's> baggage. <laughs> I might I might leave that person, but I take that same take the feeling baggage home with you. With me. Right? Yeah. I take the baggage home with me. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Automatic funny. bags, you know. That's that just, right. Yeah. And sometime later, you know, it's all going to come up again. That's why they say if you run away from something in a relationship because you're just so sure that other person is is just this horrible person or something, well, guess who you're going to meet later on in another relationship? And until you end up, you know, somehow saying, what is it in me that would cause this pattern to be repeating itself? Yeah, it's funny. We always look outside of ourselves, don't we? Whenever something doesn't go right, or, or especially if there's a pattern, why does this pattern keep repe- repeating itself? You know, we, we aren't looking at ourselves for that. We're looking outside. There's got to be an answer out here somewhere in the real world. If, we, if I can only find what that answer is, then maybe I can make this thing that keeps repeating go away. Except that mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> that's not the way life is. We attract. That's weird, yeah, that's the weird thing. It's our, it's our vibration. So, so how do we get to those you know, the clearing of those deeper things. That's the question to me. Well, it reminds me of um, the fact that uh, our emotional systems, so to speak, are since we know that they're in our own control, and yet we also know from our past experience that very often we feel like it's outside of our control. Ultimately, then we know that this is really about learning how to regain our own control over what's going on in our own reactions and what's going on mm-hmm. in our lives. Yes. You know, and and that's not so easy. I mean, when when you want to react in a certain way, particularly over something that's a hot button, that's not so easy at first anyway, but it can be done. And as long as it can be done, then the next question becomes, well, how do you do it? And that's Mm -hmm. when you start getting into the various modalities that Abraham teaches. But it starts Mm -hmm. with saying, you know, I got to be willing to do it myself. It's, It's not like I can expect the world to change for me. That's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to come to, but you got to kind of come to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for me, it's like when there's an external situation like this one I'm talking about, that just seems that there's no way that 
I can't be right and and that other person can't be wrong. Yeah, right and wrong, right? That's yeah. impossible. You know, I mean, or that, you know, I don't I don't see this clearly and therefore I it's something that I just know is not appropriate. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of what's going on in the current political administration. You know, there's things there in my mind that are so wrong that how how could it ever have anything to do with my vibration? You know, it just, it, it's just that person's um, dark night of the soul. I mean, they're just completely trapped in their own ignorance. And um, to me, it's like, I, no matter what, I'm on the higher road, <laughs> you know, and, but somehow that's not right. That's just not the way it is because I'm perceiving it. And I know I'm probably repeating myself at this point, but I don't really know <laughs> exactly where to go with this conversation other than re <laughs> repeating this fact, you know, let's just repeat. Well, we'll, we'll repeat it for the next uh, 43 minutes and then we'll be done. <laughs> no, no, I'm counting on you. Walt. Oh, 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 I see. Okay. You're going to break through the impasse and, and get really clear here. Um, <laughs> no, it's true though. Um, it, it, this kind of thing we can get stuck on very, very easily. Um, I, I'm thinking about another Facebook uh, post that I saw where someone was complaining that she had um, made a list of all the ideal characteristics of the person that she wanted for her life and manifested the person. Mm -hmm. And yet it didn't work out. And she mm -hmm. was distraught. You know, she got exactly what she worked for and it didn't work out. What was she doing wrong? That was her question. Mm -hmm. Well, the good news is she was asking the question about what it was, not that she was doing wrong, but what she what could she change that would have been a better way to say it what could she change because she really wasn't doing anything wrong she got the result obviously she was doing a lot right you know yeah. Yeah. so that that's really the best way to look at that but um what i recommended to her was maybe take another look at your list i mean just because you made a list one time and you manifested with it doesn't mean you are tied to that list for all time you get to change the list if you you know you get to modify the the criteria on the list. If you find that you ask for a person who has criteria A, B, and C, you get somebody who's got criteria A, B, and C, and you find that that didn't really work out so well. You don't like the combination. Maybe you replace A, B, and C with D, E, and F, or maybe you replace C with D, and now you keep A, B, and D. You know, you modify it, you change it, you adjust based on uh, on what you got. That that's a normal way of of human beings dealing with what comes to them in reality. You get, to, you don't have to just settle for whatever the first thing is. So, right. so that, that's probably one thing right there. Just starting with, okay, how does it match up with my list and where do I want to change my list now that I've had a little experience with it? And is that really the change you don't know, you know, like if I, okay, I'm, it's just these externals I need to change, but I, it makes me really just think that she's not, possibly seeing the internal struggle or the internal needs that she's really needing to address within herself. You know, she's, well, she's looking possibly. to I find mean, love in all the wrong places. You know, she's, she's looking to have this external situation solve mm -hmm. her, her need for happiness, but mm -hmm. really she has a deeper emotional thing going on there. Well, I guess um, it depends that, what A, B and C are, but you know, you're right. It could be yeah. just external factors only that, uh, would be seemingly outside of her control. And yet, like I pointed out to her, really, in reality, every single relationship on the planet was manifested. Now, they weren't all necessarily manifested by deliberate creators who knew what they were doing. Most of them were manifested haphazardly by people who had no idea how the whole thing works. 
but still they were all manifested. So uh -huh. it's not like there were mistakes made <laughs> to the point where no manifestation happened. The manifestations happen. They happen regularly. Yeah. They happen yeah. repeatedly. In fact, they happen 100% of the time. <laughs> right. So, so, so the problem isn't whether or not you're manifesting. The problem is, are you manifesting what you really want? That's what, that's what this whole idea of contrast is all about from my perspective. We, we are, as Abraham says, we, we come into the contrast, which basically means we get born into this world where we like some things, we don't like other things. And in that kind of a world, we get to pick and choose. Well, I'm going to have one of those, but I don't want one of those. I'll take one of those. And I don't want one of those. And that's the ongoing process of picking and choosing, refining. You know, yes, I want this. No, I don't want that. Yes, I want this. No, I don't want that. Uh -huh. And the more and more that we do that, the closer and closer we get to the satisfaction that we expect to achieve by making our selections. Yes, by having everything according to what we assume is our is how happiness will happen for us. And as we but, go along, we, we learn that this particular selection didn't produce the result we had in mind. Like, oh, well, that had a little piece of extra baggage that I didn't really think about. Maybe I should right. change that particular perspective a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I should look at that part in myself if yeah, I manifest. Hey, there's an idea. Now, see, the thing is that I always thought was so funny is that Abraham would say, for example, that if you want a particular thing, it's fine to have your list, but what's going to happen by source's point of view is source knows the most perfect way to get you to the thing that you think will satisfy yourself. Right. So, so, so what source is going to do is going to take you on a journey. But what I find is a source takes me on the journey. It shows me, my higher self shows me what it is that really is that I want. And it often isn't just an external thing finally happening. Finally, that right amount of money is in the bank. Finally, that person's in my bed with me. Finally, I have that health condition that I thought I wanted. But instead, it's like there's a path. There's a pathway that on that pathway, there might be more things that are going to come up, more contrast that's going to show up. Source knows that the contrast, every aspect of the contrast is equal. So, you know, the... <laughs> all of the contrast is valuable. And so whatever happens to me on my journey to this so-called so destination I think I want is really where my work is taking place and, and really where my joy lies. But sometimes it might put me right face-to-face -face with things that I didn't expect were going to show up in my life that could be termed negative, but all they are is contrast that's then helping me to mature and to grow and to blossom in a way that's even better for me. Yeah, I mean, you, we usually use the words uh, unintended consequences, but I like kind of tying into what you just said and turning it into unintended contrast. Mm -hmm. Because exactly. that's really what we get. We get unintended contrast, contrast that we didn't expect was going to come. But, oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't really think that through all the way, did I? Well, that's what's been happening to me. I mean, I find that even though I have, you know, seems clear to me that I want certain things to happen in my life, but they don't show up. They haven't been showing up exactly the way I want them. But what has been showing up is things that are putting a mirror in front of me of what my vibration is. They're saying, but look, look, Tom, look at how you actually are vibrating. You know, look, you know, and, and if I'm really honest with myself, that's the harder stuff for me to look at is mm. the fact that when I'm truly honest with myself, I might be saying to 
a woman that I've met in a relationship, you know, like, why aren't I, I sure wish that she was more say into um, wanting to go canoeing or wanting to go mountain biking with me. And she's not, well, then I'd look at the reflection and I go, why do would I attract somebody who's not when I want to be with somebody who is. And then what I find like in that situation is that, but I haven't been going hiking and mountain biking very much <laughs> at all. And I love it. And, but that was 10 years ago and I'm not doing it as much. And yet I think that she should show up wanting to do that stuff. You know, it's like, instead I, I re attract somebody who actually is an incredible mirror of how I am right now, which is a lot more reclusive and a lot more stay at home. And so I'm going, Oh, well, I attracted exactly who's a match to my vibration. Right. Here's somebody who's, who is the way I am. And she has some interest in this, you know, going out and doing stuff in nature, but she's actually perfectly reflecting where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And I go, but darn source, I wanted you to bring me somebody who was going to inspire me to go mountain biking, <laughs> not somebody who was going to just be as reclusive as I've been, you know, Isn't working that interesting on thing. I mean, working you, you, on her business, like I'm working on my business, right? you know. Yeah. Isn't it interesting too? You, you said the perfect word. You wanted somebody who would inspire you. In other words, you didn't want to be the person to have to actively put yourself out there to develop your vibration, to get yourself excited, and then go out and do the activity. You wanted right. something, somebody to come along and make you feel like you wanted to do it. It's almost like you wanted to be entertained into it. That's the way I look at this kind of thing. It's like exactly. we, we are people who desperately want to be entertained because if you're entertained, you don't have to initiate anything. That's right. That's right. And you can continue to blame. That's if, right. If, if you're expecting it to come from outside yourself, you continue to blame the outside circumstances, the other people or circumstances as the reason why mm -hmm. you aren't, you know, fully doing what you want to do. But then you can take the high road thinking, yeah, but of course I I, I do want to do those things. And of course I'm, I'm going to do those things. And why, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't source give me some person who gets that, you know, source should know that I want those things. And source is just reflecting all the time. Law of attraction is just reflecting what we're vibrating with. And so they were always getting what we're vibrating with. The thing is, are we willing to look at what we're vibrating with and say, well, why did I attract that? You know, I, I love that, that Abraham thing. Why this now? Why this now? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had a, a run in with um, my partner yesterday that really showed me that why this now was really putting back in my lap a tremendous amount of self. Um, what's the word? Take, taking a look at myself, an incredible mirror, mm -hmm. you know, made me really then go, wow, if, if that's in me, then I've really got some work to do to understand that it isn't her. It's not her fault. You know, it's, this is my stuff. And, and in fact, my reaction to what was happening with her is my stuff, you know, and it's not her stuff, you know, and her stuff is whatever is her stuff, but it's, you know, it, then it puts in, it sort of has put in my lap, this huge, you know, like ball of, unprocessed emotion you might say or unprocessed business that is really mine to deal with i and i find it fascinating that okay i'm glad because now it's stuff's coming up that i didn't even know i had in me really mm -hmm. sure that's what it, that's what it comes down to i had that was so funny when abraham said you know when donald trump was elected they said we think it's the best thing that ever happened to your country 
because this is going to bring up so much of your own baggage of mm. every person's unprocessed stuff because looking at him and wanting to blame him for being a completely off the wall nutcase means that you're you're not looking at your own vibration of off the wall nutcase mm-hmm. you know you're not looking at how you vibrate with that that's you true know, otherwise you couldn't see this outside yourself <laughs> all, all this reminds me of an old uh, parental cliche by parental i mean a, a cliche that is associated with parents and it's one that i'm not sure it really exists much in the modern generations but when we were growing up it was a big one and that was do as i say and not as i do and right. classically, it was applied to the, the parent who smoked cigarettes who was telling the kid don't smoke cigarettes. But really, it right. applies in a whole range of, of areas of life. And is it really all that different from saying, um, give me what I want, not what I'm vibrating to? Right. It's really the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to have to vibrate to it. I don't have to modify my behavior. Just give me what it is I want anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and and that's like, about as effective as what the parent who was telling the kid, do as I say, not as I do. It's about as effective as the result they got, which was none. It was useless. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. And it reminds me of all my clients and myself um, who we, you know, they want something. And so they contact me and I want to be able to get to this place where I can have this result in my life in the area of career or finance or whatever. And then, you know, what they don't want to do is get their vibration to the point that that could happen, you know, in a way, I mean, they do want to do it, but they don't get that, mm. you know, at first, just like I don't get it, even though I'm so, the so-called coach, I sometimes, you know, of course don't get it either. As I've been saying, you know, that, that I, I, am I willing to allow my vibration to be joyful enough that I'll attract the things I want, you know, because they, they clearly that so much of what I want comes from a vibration that's so uplifted and so soothing and so feels so good that these things can flow into my life from my vortex. But if I'm not in that vibration, why would I expect them to flow into my life? And, and yet in a way I get frustrated because I'm not in that vibration. But when I look at my actions, I go, but I'm not even willing to generally face the fact that I don't have the wherewithal within me to get my vibration to that point. Do you know what I mean? Or, or more precisely, you haven't allowed yourself to have that wherewithal. I mean, we all have it. We, we can make the change right, anytime right, right, we want to, right, but you right. just, you can, you kind of found a way to block it. And that just right. shows how skilled you really are. I mean, we all are. We're really, really skilled. We can find all kinds of ways to block stuff. We're good at that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the very things that seem to be liberating for me are some of the hardest things for me to do. You know, that like if I say, oh, I just wish I had more money flowing into my life. Well, am I in the vibration of money flowing? I mean, do I, and that's to me, I can look, well, do I go and I have a lot of fun with people? Do I go and have a lot of fun playing my guitar? Do I get into all the abundance that I can have that's all free? Mm -hmm. Or do I just think I can only really have that kind of freedom when I have the money? And therefore I'm waiting to have the money, but the money is really only going to flow when my vibration is in that high, high flying place, as Abraham calls it. We're in that high flying place. Then the high flying things come to us. It's amazing to me how, often we work from the position of not being in our greatest joy. And by, mm-hmm. by amazing, I mean extremely noteworthy. Like this is something to pay close attention to. 
Because the simple fact is most of us don't act from a position of high levels of joy. We act from anything but, right? Anything from just, you know, slightly positive down to deeply depressed and maybe boredom and maybe, you know, like there's a whole range of, of possibilities, but it's rarely the highest vibrational level. And interestingly enough, even among those of us who are practitioners of deliberate creation, it's amazing how often that despite the fact we're not in that really, really high flying place, we'll try to manifest things anyway. And then we get what we don't want because our vibration isn't really matching the ultimate you know, goal of what we're trying to achieve. And so we say, well, this stuff doesn't work or I'm being sent the wrong stuff or we blame something that's an external circumstance. I mean, all of it because we just didn't get into that good place first. Mm -hmm. And yet that's our pattern. And, and I've noticed it myself. I've been noticing it particularly the last few days how I know I need to get into a better place. Do I always do it? No, I don't. And, and mm -hmm. it's, it's actually becoming kind of disturbing to me. Like, wow, I really don't. There's so but many times I don't. I got, I, got, I got to put more into this somehow. And I'm not always sure how well, to do it. Well, see, that's the thing. And that's the thing that a lot of clients run into and I've run into. But it's be, this is where this emotional baggage stuff to me comes in. It's, it's because the way I see it is because I have suppressed emotions. I, I have things that I'm really not letting be free within me because they have either I just don't even know they're there or because they have a negative connotation. And I always want to turn towards the so-called positive, but you can only, I can only go as deep as I've gone in a sense within myself to recognize if there's thing is there's parts of me that aren't being heard. If there's, if there's voices or feelings within me that aren't being felt because they're taboo or because I just don't even know they're there, then they're going to, they're going to be like stopping the full ability of my of myself to be self-expressed, you know, to to feel all my love, to feel all my happiness, to feel all these good feelings that I want. If there's some part in me that's feeling very sad from some ancient thing and it's just holding on in there and because I'm not acknowledging it, I'm not willing to recognize it, then. I don't have the emotional, there's an emotional block in me. You know, it's like I can't flow into these joyful things because there's something there that is really not getting expressed. You know, I mean, I look at when I write songs and I'm, I'm always, I've been really curious. I've written only about four songs, but I've been really curious how each of those songs really has a theme of underlying grief mm. and underlying, um, there's a sadness in the song sure. and, and a sign of kind of like a theme of my life. That's actually been there a lot in my life from my childhood onward. And, and I realized that, well, yeah, the song reflects, but where's this joy? You know, you are joy. That's, you know, the name of my business, you know, because I believe I am joy, my default state's joy. But then I was really been asking myself lately, but how often do I really default to that? And how often do I kind of default more to I'm still in angst? You know, I'm still got a lot of angst running around in there and wondering, okay, what is it that I need to release here? What, and that's what it's coming to these days. You know, it's like, well, maybe, maybe there's more to this than my doing a better job of having fun. I think there is a lot to be said for that, you know, like, cause when I, when I have fun, it does open up a lot of avenues, but sometimes then it, they close back up again and I go back to being more in angst. 
And, and I think it's, it's doing this deeper emotional work is becoming really important to me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to get, to open up this, these emotional bags I've been carrying behind me that have been following me around and see what's in them enough to at least say, Oh, you know, this is stuff that's, you know, is really old in me that that's finally needs to be acknowledged. And then I can let go of it, but I need to acknowledge it somehow. It's, um, Somehow that stuff has got to be embraced or looked at or felt before it can be um, let go of or before we get on to the better feelings that we would prefer to be having. Possibly, although there are some viewpoints that suggest that you don't actually have to go that way. I'm thinking right now about what they call emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as tapping. And, And tapping is presented as a way to uproot and eliminate these deep-seated traumatic stuff from our past without actually, you know, tunneling through the traumatic stuff. Yeah, I'm not saying that we necessarily have to um, feel every single agony that we felt when some feeling got locked into us. Um, I don't know that we have to, well, we, I don't, I don't know that we have to know the source of it. That's for sure. So maybe emotional tapping, you know, is, is a great, is a great resolution. I don't know. I I've done it. I've done tapping and I've, I haven't really experienced much result from it, but that doesn't mean that. I, I have to say I've often had actually most of the time had a resistance to doing tapping. And I realized mm-hmm. this past weekend why I had the resistance. It's because I so ta- associate tapping with a mild form of hitting and I don't want to hit myself. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to. I mean, that, that's just the association I had. So I, I actually tried something this morning. I decided to to try the you know, what they call the meridian points. I don't know what they call them, but something like that. Um, the various points that you're supposed to tap on. Instead of tapping on them, I touched them. I just gently touched them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so eliminating the tapping aspect of it. That's and, interesting. And it actually felt pretty good. I mean, I I felt a greater level of well being than I felt before I started doing it. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, geez, maybe maybe I am onto something here. Maybe I found a way to take a technique that I didn't ever really feel comfortable about, turn it into something that feel more feels more comfortable, and maybe I found a way to get myself into a higher flying place. I'll, I'll let you know that this is day one of the experiment. I don't know yet. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I I I probably will do some of that kind of work around this thing that happened with my partner this weekend because it, it it's so impossible at this point for me to understand how this is my stuff, you know, because my, I'm just right now more reactive towards her, mm. you know, feeling like, you know, this is her stuff. Um, but, but knowing that the reaction has shown up in me makes it really clear to me. No, this is, has to be my stuff. The reactions inside of me. Yeah. The reactions are yours. Her. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, what gets confusing know, here too, is that it's not like it's exclusive. You both have reactions. You're both, um, responsible for your own reactions. And that's what mm-hmm. adds to the confusion because she's got her stuff, you got your stuff, and it's not near the twain she'll meet. They actually meet all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So keeping them straight yeah. is important. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I find to be really important with all this stuff is looking on the bright side of life. Mm-hmm. You know, going general, yeah, as you like huge. to put it, right? Yeah. Uh, like I, I don't know if you saw. Do you, you get? Do you get Mike Dooley's notes from the universe? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. If but you saw I don't know. He's reading. Yeah, well, I don't know if you saw today's, but it was actually very simple and very apropos for what we're talking about. 
It says there are absolutely no worldly circumstances under which you can't or shouldn't be making the very best of things. And that's a good thing to remember. I mean, no matter what's going on, there's always a way to find that silver lining. There's always a way to find what's going right. The problem, more often than not, is we're not looking for it. We're looking for what's going wrong. And we're mm -hmm. insisting on trying to figure out what went wrong and whose responsibility it was. And, you know, is this her stuff or is this my stuff? And what should I do about it? And how can I get around it? We don't spend a whole lot of time looking for what's right when we're doing that. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I definitely, I definitely feel like that's, there's keys in this law of attraction work to understand that you always have the choice in any moment about how you want to really respond to something, either in, within yourself or coming from outside yourself. And that way that we choose to respond, not that it's to suppress emotion, or, or a deeper feeling, but that, that does that feeling have to be acted out at all? Mm -hmm. Or is there a way to come from a place of just clarity to say, yes, I see that I feel that. And now what's appropriate. Is that what you're sort of getting at? I mean, well, kind of that, I mean, you can make a choice. Yeah. Well, you get more information. That's, that's really what you're asking for when, when you're looking on the brighter side and trying to just find the joyous side through that route, what you're really trying to do is get yourself into a place where you're more receptive to the possibilities. I mean, when, when I am in a place where I'm just not feeling so good and all I can see is the one thing that I, I want to either work on or get somebody else to work on or get it removed or whatever, uh -huh. I can't always see how to do it. I, I can't mm -hmm. always see all the possibilities. I can only see the part that's irritating me. Okay. So, yeah, the going general, the, the getting your mind off it is is the most important thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, to, then, to basically shake things up a little bit so that you aren't so heavily, you know, fastened and focused and attached to this thing isn't working the way I want it to. Yeah, because that, that, then that's your vibration. If right. You want to get you want to get to a solution to that situation. You've got to get into the solution vibration, and that sometimes you got to go do something completely different. And get your, the best thing to do is get your mind totally off the thing that you think you want to change and put it on, you know, something just joyful and something more fun and then you you'll come back to that thing and find that you're much more able to deal with it or so you know you get impulses from source then that tell you the way to deal with it you know to how to transform it how to allow it to be or how to let go of it in certain ways that that then you you're more in the vibration of the solution well exactly and and ultimately what we're really talking about here is when when we look at what the whole picture is, not just the part we don't like, but when we, when we look at the whole picture and we get a more balanced view that way, we get more possibilities that weren't available to us before. They just mm. simply become stuff that just didn't seem to be there all of a sudden is there. Um, yes, exactly. I mean, one of the best ways that I know to to give an example of that is in bodily health. I mean, mm. it, it as difficult as it can be when you're really focused on pain or on a chronic disease or condition or even a dread disease or even just a simple you know, virus or something like that as much as as it seems like that's the entire world when you look at your entire body like most of your body is healthy that's the part that's easy to, to overlook but the simple fact is no matter how sick you are most of your body is healthy if it wasn't you'd be dead already right. but but most of your body is functioning properly you know, depending on what your disease is, if you take whatever the disease portion is out 
and then look at the rest of the body. You know, the blood's still circulating. The nervous system is still running. You know, the uh, digestive system is still doing its stuff. The endocrine system is doing its stuff. I mean, all this stuff is doing its stuff. It's all mm-hmm. working mostly properly. You know, there's like one small piece of it that isn't working right. Well, that's the part we usually throw under the bus. Yeah, I understand that part's working right, but the rest, this look at this little part here isn't working right. That's the problem. Well, no, mm-hmm. the problem is we're not paying attention to the part that's working right. We're, we're so heavily focused on the part that is not working right that we become attached and fixated on it, and now it becomes our entire universe. Because we're vibrating with that exclusively, or a huge amount. Right. And yet, there, there is, I think, a need to, to recognize that, that that out-of-sync vibration that's causing the pain or whatever it is, it, it needs to have love in a certain way. It needs to oh, it be does. It needs to be held and cherished and somehow you know, appreciated for what it's trying to tell us because any particular emotion or feeling that comes up, it's, it's telling us something very powerful about our alignment with our higher self. And, and yet, you know, cause I've been working, for example, on symptoms in my body by, by just sort of not focusing on them and putting my focus on the good feelings that are happening, just like you were saying that will, all those good feelings that are in my body. And, but I'm noticing that, some of these things aren't entirely going away. You know, they're dissipating down to practically nothing, but they're not entirely going away. So it makes me think that I'm not necessarily fully owning what this vibration is. that's causing this dis-ease in my body. And I want to, I want to, you know, right now in my life, I want to kind of like be more attentive to what it's saying to me and not just only looking for better feelings everywhere else. Cause I don't, so far I haven't proved to myself that everything completely goes away just because I look on the sunny side of everything. And just because I look on the bright side constantly, I look for all, all the things that are working, even though I teach that and I believe it and I practice it. I still think there, if certain things are continually asking for my attention, that I want to ask them, what is it that, that you're trying to tell me? You know, what is it that that nagging thing that keeps showing up in my life that question, you know, why this now? Why does this keep, you know, re- rearing its head in my life? Is it because I'm not focused enough yet on the sunny side of the street and and all the bright aspects of my life and all the things I appreciate? Or is it because also this thing is I'm not listening to it close enough. I'm not hearing in the message that it's saying to me about my alignment. Well, there's yeah, more I, to be learned from it. I don't think there's actually any conflict between the two. I, I think no. I think you're actually supposed to do both. And beyond that, any given message, so to speak, that your body is going to give you undoubtedly has a positive component to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to be all negative. It can't be. Otherwise, there'd be no point in listening to it. So what you're really no, asking right, for is right. what's the positive component of the message that my body's yeah. trying to give me? And the same as what happened with my partner over the weekend is what... What's the message in this situation that arose with her that it's trying to give me, you know, that, that is what, you know, what is that, that I'm, that I'm to learn here? Because it seems to me like it's all her stuff, but it's not, it's my stuff. No, more than that. <laughs> and, what's, what's the positive side of that message? That's what I'm saying. I mean, right, you, you, right, have, right. You, have, no, you already have a pretty good handle on what the negative side is. I mean, you, you, we're all really good well, at that yeah. part. I mean, we could, we could, <laughs> we could write paragraphs about that. We could write, write articles about the negative side of it. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, I, I know it's the positive side is the, is the interesting part to me is, is what is, what is it that I um, could understand by seeing this 
these aspects of myself as not her problem, but as my, my problem, my, my stuff. And, and really like, see what, yeah, what does it want to tell me? That's positive. That's because there's a great liberation in that. You know, when I mm -hmm. finally own, when I finally own parts of myself that bother the hell out of me, and yet I say, look, I'm vibrating with it. What is it saying to me? Then, then I do go through breakthroughs. I think that's how breakthroughs happen. Oh, I think so. Sure. Because in those breakthroughs, what we're really getting is a piece of the puzzle we didn't notice before. Right. And that piece of the puzzle that we didn't notice before, if it's a useful piece and not just a throwaway piece, it's the good news. It's, there's something, there's a plus side that, that we overlooked. So for mm -hmm. instance, now, the, the bad news be maybe I'm just going to make up an example that's rather extreme, but the bad news may be I attracted the perfect girl into my life, but she hates me. And it turns out that the person I attract is never going to like the kind of person that I am because they don't appreciate that person does not appreciate this kind of person. Okay. Well, that's the good news. The good news is now, you know, not to look for that kind of person. That's the wrong kind of person to look for. That's great news. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but that, are we looking at that way? Not initially. We're not. Mm-hmm. And yet, if we can get to the point where we recognize, like, oh, wow, I'm glad. Now I know I don't, I don't want to look for that kind of person anymore because that kind of person just doesn't work with me. Well, that's good. That's a, that's a really good, important step forward. Now you have refined more precisely what it is you really do want. What you thought you wanted actually wasn't what you wanted. Now you know better. I think it's so funny that I've heard Abraham say many times when they're talking about relationships, and it always sort of shocked me. They say, you could actually have a really, really incredible relationship with thousands of people, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's the fact that you think that it's so unique who you are, that there's only going to be this one unique person you're going to find. And then you better hold on for dear life to that person. But in reality, it's your stuff that you haven't yet owned that makes you think that, it takes an external person to fit into your perfect puzzle piece, but really it's you that's got to modify your ability to um, be with a variety of people, to be with a variety of feelings within yourself. It's these things within ourselves that make it seem difficult because we, we haven't yet owned the fact that there's more clearing we could do within ourselves to be happier, to be freer, to be more in love with who we are our own self-worth, you know. I think kind of what you're pointing at is the uh, phenomenon that is popularly known as the soulmate, right? There's only one soulmate, and that soulmate is your one perfect person. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the soulmate idea is that contrary to what people who believe in soulmates are willing to recognize, certainly not initially, they may be able to get to the point where they can recognize it, but initially they don't want to recognize it. And that is... Looking for a soulmate is looking for a mate from a position of lack. Hmm. They don't really think about it that way, right? I mean, it's not, oh, no, I'm looking for my ideal person. That's not looking for lack. <laughs> well, yes, no. Actually, in, in a very important way, you're, you're really looking at it as lack because you're saying there's only one possible one. That's lack. That's not hmm. abundance. That's lack. Yeah, if you really, if you really believe that. There, there's soulmates and then there's twin flames, and that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, a lot of people can be our soulmates according to the way it's some people are defining it. And that just means somebody who we really resonate with in a, in a wonderful way, but they're not the only one that we resonate with. And then the twin flame though, is the idea of this person that 
spiritually, you know, you have a, you have a destiny with, so to speak, you know, that this person sort of like the way Abraham uh, Esther talks about how she met Jerry, you know, that they were, they were destined to meet. There was all these little idiosyncrasies or synchronicities that happened that proved that to her and to him that they weren't dodging this relationship, no matter what this, they were meant to be together. And so there is that thing of, you know, uh, I'm not so sure that they thought that they were meant to be though. Oh, I think, that's what I've, I thought I've heard her say. Well, I, I could be wrong, but I think what they were saying is they, they felt they were absolutely perfect for each other. And they wouldn't want somebody else, but that's not the same thing as saying they were destined for each other. Yeah. But she's talked about stories of how these things happen that they felt they were destined um, because they, I mean, he had literally lived in the same apartment she lived in and things like this. And, and, they went back and saw how their lives had crossed paths in these various ways. And they, it was so synchronistic to them that they just felt like this was. Well, that's an interesting question then is synchronicity destiny. Cause I don't think it is. I think synchronicity is synchronicity. It's, it's a manifestation of the fact that source is well, able to deliver to us a, a thing or a person or an experience in a variety of different ways, it usually delivers it in the path of least resistance. And that path of least resistance is one that we don't expect. So we see it as synchronistic. Mm -hmm. But in fact, it was just source delivering through the path of least resistance. Does, now, does that mean it was destiny? Not necessarily. It just means that source was delivering something through the path of least resistance. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just uh, that whole question about how does this universe really work? <laughs> and, True, uh, yeah. I mean, this does tie into belief a lot. Yeah. And, and I, I just have noticed because I was really hot on the whole question of relationships so much so that I probably listened to 30 or 40 segments of Abraham about relationships. And I found that they definitely were communicating that you're to me, the way I perceived it is that, uh, if you're, you're going to end up with the right person, if you get into the right vibration, then no matter what, and it's going to be the person who has been waiting for you and you've been waiting for them. They've been preparing for you. You've been preparing for them. And when the time is right, the two of you will be together and there will be no denying. It'll be so clear that there'll be no denying. It's just, this is exactly who I'm supposed to be with. And that's when you'll might even see synchronicities that, you know, it couldn't have happened any other way. So is that destiny? Um, you know, make it sound like the way that I picked up on it. And of course, and that could just be my projection. I picked up it or almost like, you know, it, it was a relief to me to hear them say that you, you're going to end up with the right person and there'll be just no denying it. And, and if it isn't the right person, it'll be a step on the road to that person. And, but sometimes the person you think is not the one becomes the one by you doing your own work and realizing that, you know, the, the discrepancies that you find in that person are really discrepancies in your own love of yourself. And when you deal with your own self-worth and self-love issues, that, that other person miraculously becomes your ideal partner <laughs> who you've been living with and thinking they weren't. And you had to maybe leave them and you start realizing, no, I don't have to leave them. This is my, this is my work of my level of being able to appreciate my own self then translates into a deeper, deeper love for them. And then I realize, oh, God, I'm so grateful. I'm with this person. This is who I should be with. Well, yeah, I agree with nearly everything that you said there. The only, the only thing that uh, I would leave out in my own 
expression of it is the very last one. This is the person I should be with. I, I don't oh. think I don't think should has anything to do with it. Person I, I could be with. Yeah, it could. It's a person that you could very well be with, and it would be great to be with, and and yeah. and that's good. That's a good thing. Um, I, yeah. I don't think any of what you described actually implies destiny. I think it implies a freedom from destiny. To be perfectly honest, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like uh, there. This was with this one person who you know. It had to be this one person. It couldn't be anybody else. You couldn't possibly grow in another direction that, that might make this person uh, not appropriate. You couldn't possibly uh, develop in a way that was unexpected. You keep not, I mean, when you start describing it that way, it becomes pretty evident. No one could match that. You know, none of us know exactly how we're going to develop over time. None of mm-hmm. us know exactly what twists and turns our lives are going to take. No one, none of us knows what, what lessons we're going to learn along the way. None of us knows. I mean, it, it's, it's not like there's a a hand, a guiding hand that always makes sure that you learn this particular lesson in this particular way and that you respond in this particular way at this particular time. That's, that's just nonsense. That's, mm-hmm. just, that's, that's just plain crazy from my perspective. Now, I know there are people who believe in destiny. I, I'm clearly not one of them. But from, my, from where I sit, everything you said is perfectly consistent with my viewpoint and does not require any sense of destiny in order to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the question, I haven't even, you know, really taken on this, um, th- thinking all this through, but there, there is the question that I sort of have an open-ended question about if source is orchestrating my life and source always knows, you know, this infinite consciousness of total wisdom and total knowing always knows to put the right thing on my path at the right time. It's exactly orchestrating the most wonderful way for my life to unfold. And all I'm trying to do is get in sync with allowing that to happen. Then how much is source in control and how much is, are my choices you know, like affecting things. It's, it's kind of a dance between my choices and, and who am I anyway? Who am I that makes the choice, you know? And because if the larger part of me is source, you know, it's sort of like it all becomes pretty big, you know, mixture of both this infinite capacity and this so-called finite capacity that we have to make decisions. And um, so, cause we're constantly making decisions, but then the question is, who's overseeing the whole thing from the eyes of eternal knowing and the eyes of wisdom, this thing we used to call God or some people call God, you know, like, like what is this source knowing? You know what I mean? Well, I suspect it's a topic we're not going to be able to finish today because we got a little, <laughs> a little less than a minute left. I do, oh, okay. I, I do want to mention a couple quick things. First, if you're not yet a subscriber, go to the homepage of our website, LOAToday.net. The instructions are right there. Second, if you are a subscriber and you're one of our loyal listeners, we love you. Thank you for being a subscriber and for, for listening to all these podcasts. Just take a moment and go on to your favorite social media and include some little post that includes the words LOAToday.net. Make sure you include the .net. We're doing a test to see what happens when we do that. Um, so far, we've been seeing some nice increases in traffic, but we really think we could do more. And it's just because we just haven't had a lot of participation. Some people have, but most haven't. So take, take a moment to just you know post something, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, about LOAToday.net. And we appreciate your support. Tom, it's been great. I look forward to talking to you on Friday. All right. Look forward to it. All right. And we'll see you all as well next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.